Welcome to the C2C Podcast. I am your host, Derek Anderson. After holding my first event in 2010, I went on to create Startup Grind, a 400-chapter community based in over 100 countries. Along the way, I discovered the greatest marketing tool of all time, your customers. Yet, I couldn't find anyone sharing how to build a community where people could experience your brand in person or at scale. On this show, we talk with the brightest minds and companies on the planet about how to build customer-to-customer marketing strategies and create in-person experiences for your brand and customers before your competitor does. Get ready to take some notes because our next guest is Rosemary O'Neill. Rosemary has been in the community space since 1998 and she co-founded Social Stratus. Social Stratus flagship platform, Hoopla, helps you build a branded online community. In this interview, we'll walk through the process of starting a community and cover topics like getting internal champions, legal buy-in, content calendars, and more. Take a listen. Rosemary, can you describe what Social Strata and Hoopla is and what you do in your role in the company? Sure. Uh, Social Strata is a company that's been around for about 20 years, serving everyone from Fortune 500 to nonprofits, associations, helping them build communities. Hoopla is a SaaS platform that is your Swiss army knife of community, helping you get up and running really quickly. I'm the president. My husband is the CEO. So we've been running this thing together for the last 20 years. You're one of the co-founders. I am. I'm so sorry for you. (laughs) <laughs> it's beautiful and terrorizing at the same time, right? <laughs> what I've learned at Startup Grind is to just continue to tell people not to start companies. But uh, I'm very impressed. You've been doing it for 20 years. I feel like there's this piece of entrepreneurship and just company building that, like, there's this huge piece of just survival. Like, if you can just outlast everyone long enough, then you probably win. And you've been doing this for 20 years. So you've probably outlasted almost everybody else is starting at the same time. Yeah, it's definitely gratifying. And also to see customers who've been with us for, you know, big chunks of that time, people we've known using the product for 10 years plus, and who've migrated even with us over the years to different platforms. That's pretty exciting when I look at that. I mean, that's something too, is you're selling in products or services or software to companies. You sort of build up this rapport with a champion And then when they leave, you kind of have to start over from scratch, right? With that same company and build new champions. And then it sounds like maybe you get dragged along with that person to their new endeavor as well. But it's it's sort of like almost like getting a new sale sometimes, isn't it? That definitely happens. And I think that one interesting thing about community people in general is we're almost like a tribe. And so, yes, a lot of that does happen where we get brought into a new company when someone goes and or, you know, there's a lot of turnover, but the new person is open and willing to talk a lot of the times. I think it's unique to our industry that community people are kind of special breed. Absolutely. When you look at starting a community, how do you approach setting the initial metrics for that community success? Uh, Well, I always start by telling people, don't tell me you need engagement. (laughs) (laughs) That's always what the boss asked for. But I always try to pry in deeper than that and get to what is your corporate mission, your corporate goals, and how does this community support those specifically? You know, are you planning to monetize with ads? Are you planning to get more customers? You know, things like that. I think you have to nail it down. 
feels like uh, I think a lot of us in the community industry or people that have been doing it, we kind of started in that path for all the right purposes, authentic reasons. And a lot of those have nothing to do with the ROI, right? And so, but you can't get these programs going without a sort of clear metric of success or it's not going to get very far. At least that's, that's what it seemed like in my experience. How's your experience there? I totally agree. And I think in some ways, it's a nice self-supporting cycle in that good, authentic engagement will often lead as a byproduct to ROI and those numbers that you're looking for. But often it's hard to go the other way around. I think you, but you need to start there when you're building it just so that you can get buy-in and get those champions going. So let's talk about the champions. How do you suggest our listeners get champions from within their company to get on board with community programs. What what have you seen that's worked? I call it the sneakers effect. You put on your sneakers and you walk down the hall and you literally go visit every main person in your company who may need something out of this community. Find out what is bugging them and keeping them up at night and then tell them how the community can solve that problem or make their life better. And if you can't do that with that person, then just don't bug them at all. Like all these people set up communities and they try to just tell people, come visit, come engage, come do it. But you really need to go face to face and and really get them on board that way. But it's so much easier just to slack them. You sure I can just... (laughs) Say working from home and just slack them. No, well, okay. You might be able to send an awesome GIF or something that might get their attention, but no, I I think you really do need to get face to face, even if it's video face to face. It's one of these things that it's it's not it's like not something they teach in school, but it's so important, right? Like you, when you get in a big company, and I only spent four years at Electronic Arts. It's the only big company I've worked in, but. There's the sort of external marketing, like, you know, trying to marketing customers. And then there's the internal marketing and like just making people aware of what you're doing, getting excited about it. And I sort of, I used to think like the way I looked at that, I'd love to get your perspective is if I needed to do something once a quarter that everyone was talking about internally. And if I could do that, then I would always like get a promotion every year. Uh, and so like, how have you seen that? Like, what are the, the best internal marketers? What do they do? What do they... How do they sort of get their their programs standing out and, and sticking out amongst everything, all the other noise too? One thing that I think is really crucial is to get your community goals kind of wrapped into whatever your corporate process is for setting goals and talking about what you want for the next year. If you can get those incorporated into that process naturally, then that will get you far too, because you don't want to be seen as community is on its little island and nobody knows exactly what it's supposed to be doing. It's kind of fuzzy. But if you structurally just build it in that you are part of that conversation, I think that gets you the respect that it deserves, you know, as a key component, like it's mission critical to what your company is doing. And I believe community is usually mission critical. Let's talk about every community person's favorite subject, and that is money and budget. You know, companies are afraid often to invest. What should professionals do in the community space to get budget for their programs? What have you seen work? I think, you know, we just touched on it a little bit. I think if you're doing that dotted line straight from what the community is doing, keeping track of successes 
and tying that directly to impacts. Even with a nonprofit, I can think of a nonprofit customer we have who actually went and they studied the real life, real world impact of the resources they were sharing in the community. Not just this was popular in the community, but what actually happened with that resource when it was used by folks in the community. So really, really grounding it in what is going on. And then I would just put in a plug from a vendor standpoint, since I'm an evil vendor, I'll just say, go straight to your vendor and get their perspective, like find out, especially when you're in that I'm researching a community phase, find out exactly what all the expenses are going to be up front. They should be up front with you. They shouldn't be hiding anything. Don't let any secrets pop up or surprises pop up when you get too far down the road. You know, really find out how things are going to go when you get successful and are there going to be increases, things like that. You just, you should be aware of all that up front. Yeah, and I think to enlist your vendor in helping with the sale, and they've probably been told no a lot more times than you have. And so, you know, I know for in, in Debbie's case, like we have a 30 page or 30 slide doc on how to resolve basically every internal you know, issue and question that we give, give to people that ask for it because it seems like they need it. But, you know, like how can you enlist, you know, get them in the conversations with the people that are saying no. And let them, not so much as you, you know, some random person inside the org, you know, bring an army with you to, to the table and sort of overwhelm people with, you know, all the, the great things you're going to do from these programs. Exactly. You think about conferences that give a sample letter, yeah, give that. this letter to your boss to get permission to go. Do that with your community vendor, right? They probably do. Like you just said, they probably do have ammo for you. So don't be afraid to ask. Okay, every community person's second favorite thing in the world, and that's the legal team. They're pretty good at derailing these programs, even at the very end of approval. How can listeners make sure that they get legal buy-in and maybe security too? I have to give credit. My friend Gigi told me this years ago, and I filed it away, and it's really been good for me. You need to involve legal way, way, way up front in your process. When you first start thinking you're going to do a community, before even you talk to the vendor, before you start specking out your strategy, involve them and let them feel like they're part of the planning process and they're much less inclined to say no at the end of the process. In order to scale these programs, it seems like companies need a playbook or a system. Can you share an example of a playbook that you thought was well-built and, and then executed? Yeah, I've got one that I have bookmarked on my computer that was shared in the Fever Bee community by Jeff Ross at Humana. And I can share the link with you if you want to include that later in the notes or something. But it is amazingly thorough. It's huge. It's probably 36 pages long, but it can, it's really inspirational for even a small uh, company to look at in terms of strategy, tactics, why are we building this community? And, and it's really has inspired me too in building our own playbooks. Now you've talked about seeding your community with founding community members, or I've heard people refer to them as sort of pioneer members. Can you explain how you've done that and how listeners could do the same? 
Yeah, I think this is another instance where there's no substitute for the personal touch, whether it is phone interviews, whether it's going to a live event that's related to the subject of your community. I even had a customer one time make up little business cards and go to the local farmer's market and hand them out for, to, to talk to people about her new community. I think you need to actually talk to your constituents, those founding members, face-to-face -face and find out what you can add value to their lives with using the community. Yeah, and another idea that is uh, talked about a lot is sort of editorial calendars and how have you seen this done well to make sure the community always has sort of fresh content? You know, it's kind of funny. I think um, so many of us manage this with spreadsheets. I know there are templates out there for that. Personally, I, I put in a little mini plug for CoSchedule. I kind of like, that's kind of one of my go-to tools. Why do you like that? Uh, I like it because it combines the calendar and the to-do aspects, and you can share it with a team. And it's good for small teams. It's not crazy expensive. It's kind of a light, nice, light little tool. So I, that's one that I recommend. But, you know, good old-fashioned spreadsheet. Don't overcomplicate it. Make sure you're keeping track of your content. Who does it need approval from? I've seen people do neat things with turning the spreadsheet boxes green, orange, and red based on where it is in your, in your funnel for approval. But basically, have a system. Don't just use sticky notes all over your uh, computer. How has uh, community building changed? in the last 20 years. I, I've, I've been building my own community for the last 10 years with Startup Grind, but I'd be interested to know, what have you seen? How was community different in the late 90s, early 2000s versus, you know, maybe in the midpoint of, of the last, uh, you know, early point of the decade to now? It's really funny looking at when we started back in BBS days, even one thing that hasn't changed is human nature. Oh, still talking about trolls and what to do about them and how to moderate content and all of that, how to get people talking. Those conversations, I could almost record them from day one. And they're very similar these days. Humans don't change their behavior. What I've seen really change along with the technology is the types of content that are being shared and user-generated content going from typing little green letters on a screen all the way to now it's so easy in a huge community like TikTok or, or sites where you can create your own videos and edit them in process and, and do crazy things like that. The creative juices, I think, have changed dramatically, which then also means us community managers and folks need to really be on our toes in terms of responding to that in kind with our own programming and content that's fresh and exciting and, and tying in things like events, like in-person things. Well, that's a great segue. This is the Customer to Customer podcast after all. Why do you think getting your community together in real life is important instead of just doing or traditional online community? Um, being in person with someone, even someone you've talked to for years and years online is a game changer. And there's no denying that. I mean, I, I have people that I spent a conference weekend with 15 years ago that I am still deeply in touch with. And I feel like I know them. There is just no substitute for that face-to-face -face and really building in ways that you can take those offline experiences and continue the conversation online in between, you know, especially for people who have recurring annual events or conferences. It's so important to keep those relationships going and keep those touch points going. Because, I mean, that's really what it's all about is those real relationships. 
So, and, and, you know, I, as you say that, I'm thinking of my own experiences like that of people that I met or even people that were exhibited at booths next to me or something that you became friends with, you know, after spending a few days in a, in a conference together. Is it the same thing with businesses? Like, or at least the, the value that those businesses bring? You think when you, when you're meeting people at these events that the sort of the, the value proposition of product or service being, that is being offered at the event or maybe that this person is offered, does it, does it stick better than sort of the digital impression that, that can be made on someone? I wholeheartedly believe that, you know, just us as a company, we've always had a community. One year, we actually, we had a softball team. We had a customer come and play on our softball team with us. I mean, no one will ever forget that. It was just such a cementing. There's just something about that when you're doing something together in person. If you can possibly make that happen in the business world with your community members, I would wholeheartedly recommend it. How do you, you're so well-versed in these things. How do you sharpen your community skills and keep learning? You mentioned Fever Bee, which is a great community. And, you know, we've had different people from that community on the podcast. But what else do you use to sharpen your skills? I am a junkie for all things community management, community. Uh, one of my real, real favorites is CMX Hub. Everything they do. I didn't get to go to the last summit. I'm so crushed about that, but maybe next year. Um, I just absolutely love it. David Spanks is, you know, a rock star. Those guys, their Facebook group is definitely a regular stop on my routes around the internet. Uh, I also love um, what used to be Community is from Loyalty and now has a new name, which escapes me at the moment. Um, sorry about that, Sarah. Um, <laughs> but uh, all those resources out there, I think you have to kind of stay in touch because we all, as a tribe of community people, are so willing to help each other that it's just valuable, crazy valuable info. What do you think the best book ever written on community is? Oh my gosh. Um, you have to pick a, a dog in the fight here. Oh, Which of all your friends do you want to highlight above all your other friends? Dude, that's hard. That's really, <laughs> that's mean. Um, and I happen to know that Rich Millington is in the process of writing a new book. Um, I have to say, I, Buzzing Communities is probably one of my faves. Second place would probably be Jono Bacon's original. But yeah, I'd, I'd have to give my tip my cap to Rich on that one. Perfect. Okay, last question. Tell us about a community that you love and why do you love it? I will give props to this community. I don't know if anyone's heard of it, but it's called Hit Record or Hit Record. I don't, I've never heard it said out loud. It is a community started by um, this guy from Third Rock from the Sun. He started this community for people who want to be screenwriters or writers or creators, and they put out little challenges. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yes. Um, I knew it was going to go out of my brain. But um, it's amazing community because it's all creative types. They run it really well, and they have all these really great challenges where you can put out responses and help each other out. And they've actually written commercials together, movies together, jingles, songs. It's amazing. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to this. If you'd like to see more about how to create your own event community, go to bevylabs.com slash pod. Again, that's B-E-V-Y-L-A-B-S dot com slash pod.